0: And so, as they approached, they said, this is a Muslim man's tent, so that we can get something to eat, let's pretend to be Muslims. So one guy said, no, how can we do that? He said, After they argued, they got to the tent. So one said, my name is Abdullah. So that one said, you are welcome. The other one said, my name is Peter, James, and John. So the Muslim man said, "Look, please come inside. He went in, brought food. Went to Peter, said, please eat. Well, the man that says name is Peter, he gave him to eat. And then the one that says Abdullah, he said, is it Ramadan Karim or something? <laughs> it was fasting period, he said, so we'll break at night. <laughs> <laughs> so the one that denied Jesus, hunger, he lay, now he didn't know how to now deny Islam again, because you <laughs> will now become the man's enemy. The man was not a militant. He didn't say anything wrong with being a Christian. So he fed the Christian well. So the one who didn't deny Jesus got his food. So if somebody said, deny Christ, I will let you go, and you trust him. If you have to take chance with your life, please don't take with your eternity. <laughs> you say, bros, I don't trust you. I may deny him, now you behead me. I won't deny him. At least if you behead me, I'm, 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 I know. I'm calling matter Back to the story of our brother Simon. The Bible says to us, Acts chapter 8, where we are reading. Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter. For your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours. And pray that the Lord, if possible, He said, pray the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. Now, see where I was going. For I see, I'm not imagining it. I have spiritual discernment. I see that you are in the gall of bitterness. And in the bondage of iniquity. A man who had believed. Some people say, no, no, he didn't really believe, you know. He just went for baptism. See what he said. The man confirmed it that he really believed. He said, the Bible says in verse 24, But Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me yourselves, so that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. What does that tell you? The man really believed. It's just that his light was still mixed with what? darkness. His light was still mixed with darkness. So he needed that darkness uprooted. He needed that darkness removed. And that's what we all need as believers. We need our darknesses, can I use that expression, uprooted, removed. And it's only possible because of grace. That's what grace does. It's only possible because The seed of God has been planted inside us. That's what makes the darkness not belong anymore. When not for that seed of Christ, the darkness is at home. But because the seed of Christ is in there, we're not saying hey, darkness. Because God did not remove the darkness when He came. What was the first thing he did? Let there be what? Light. The spirit of Christ in us is light. But after that, the Lord came and said, let us separate what? The light from the darkness. So he began to remove the darkness. Tease it apart. Remove it. And that's what he's doing in the lives of the people of God. Using David as our example. He said, David, you are going to die in this gull of bitterness. And you will die in this bondage of iniquity. Except I cause it to Manifest. So you will confess it, and I can cleanse it away. Was that not why John said, "If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us." That was a scripture difficult for us to crack. difficult for us to understand, difficult for us to understand, or to explain away in the light of the other things we were preaching. Ha huh? This same John. But John understood the scriptures. He understood the truth. He knew Jesus, he knew everything. That we claim to know now. We also knew more. So he says, it is possible for us to be walking in darkness. Is there? That's why he said, listen, people of God, if you say you have no sin, it's because light has not shown on that part of your life. That everywhere that God shines his light, you will discover the darkness therein. Then you will now do what? Confess that sin. And then you'll be free of all unrighteousness. I thought about it, I said, no, I need to finish what we said last time. To have Christians walk into complete purification. To have believers walk in true purification. Walk in the fear of God. And don't walk in a half, half doctrine that preaches only half of the truth. Till I say it again. Just explain the meaning of, you know, why James had to write. Please, you can go and read my article I wrote on this on our website. Salvation by works, or salvation by faith. Why James had to write? Why did James have to write? Because a lot of people believed Paul. They did not understand the true message that Paul was preaching. So you saw Christians walking carelessly, walking like the world. You could not distinguish between a believer when you're doing business with an unbeliever. And Jim said, what is going on here? And you talk to them and say, by faith we have been saved. I hear this funny, illogical statement. Even though the, it's supposed to be based on logic. I was not saved by my works. I cannot be condemned by my work, by my works. I hope you know that statement is senseless. On the surface it appears logical. But look at it closely, it's illogical. as I had the money, I could dash you a billion dollars. Did you become rich by your works? Answer me. Could you, did you become rich by your works? But can you lose it by your works? Yes. So who will not tell me that because you were not saved by your works, cannot become poor by your works? That logic is illogical. It's incongruent. It's unreasonable. It doesn't tie. The fact that you were not saved by your works does not mean you cannot be condemned for it. What James said is this. Let's even get into that. that. Listen, my people. Salvation is by faith. That is true. But can salvation be by faith that is dead? That was what James was saying. Then salvation is by faith. I by faith. Said, James said, I know, I know. Guys, I know. Relax. Cool your temper. Relax. Salvation is by faith. Everybody said yes. He said, good. What if the faith is dead? Every man shut up. Oh. We have to be quiet. James said, can such a faith save anybody? Of course you can't argue it. They tried to argue with me already. That was the thing I posted to the fellow also. Are you telling me that somebody who's saved, who claims he's saved, but his faith is dead, is saved? If you say yes, you are not saved. you answering me. Your brain is at least not saved. So James said, how do we now know faith that is alive? He said, it is by what? The works. We are not saying you are saved by works. We are just saying that you cannot be saved by faith that is dead. And if faith has no works, it is dead. And what am I preaching? That people of God should make sure they look inside them and uproot every dead works. Let's talk about dead works again. Now I was going to talk about dead works. Remember where we began from. Deliberately, we are building our lives on what the Word of God, and what we are talking about now is the precepts upon which we build our lives. And went all of that time to explain something. Life has different dimensions, different aspects, and we must be careful to build each aspect of life on divine precepts, because many times Christians claim to be in the light. But they are walking in the darkness. It must not be so. We have seen just like Simon. We are not saying Simon was not a true believer. We are just saying that even though a true believer, he needed to remove the bitterness in him. Because one of the things that happened to Simon, I can assure you, you know, when you have been the power of God in the environment for 20 years, when you believe, you'll be no power of anything instantly, your social relevance will disappear. I hope you know that. One of the things God does for his children is to I will use different words for it. Not many of them correct English, but some of them very appropriate English for my, my manufactured English. One of the things that God does for his children is to humblify them. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. If you don't do it like, like that, he will do it for you. Actually, when he does it, it's called humiliation. You are the one that can humble yourself. If God takes up the matter, he humiliates. As I pause, said, judge yourself so you are not judged by him. When God wants to deal with you in humiliation, this is why he handles, oh, I love him. This is why he does it. He comes with you first of all with correction. Correction. You know the idea of correction? Humble yourself. Then when you forget to humble yourself, go for what? Humiliation. Yeah, you go for humiliation. You know what happened to Simon? He was used to be the king. So, Philip first came, collected all the power. He said, this is salvation, he went for it. Then this flesh reacted. When Peter came, with John, ah, and listen to me. They were laying hands on the people and they were being dramatically affected by the Holy Spirit. So they would put a hand on somebody. They, these are things we have seen before. You, <laughs> there's one brother I heard of. I didn't see, but those who saw it you know, narrated it to me. He laid hands on a man. Before his hand touched, they saw the fire jump. Boom! Knocked the guy down. One person in this time told me, said it was mentioned one particular Popular uh, you know, actor. The one that he wanted to pray for the man. The man was wearing shoes. He said, I lay hands on him. I opened my eyes. His shoes were there. He was behind. <laughs> he closed his eyes to pray for the guy. He put hand on the guy like this. He opened his eyes. He saw shoes and see the human made over there. That the Holy Spirit lifted the man out of his shoes and threw him back. He said, this is going on when Peter and John came to pray. Of course, people will rise up speaking in other tongues, prophesying. Ha! All this while they told Simon, hold this and catch it for me. I'm coming. That was the only job. Hold the pastor's scroll. The cloak, when they get when John will get hot, he remove his cloak. They throw it. Simon, catch it. Simon, who before? He was the controller. I said, guys, 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 this is not good. (laughs) How much is this power? (laughs) Yeah, Peter said, what? Power that Jesus died for. You you must understand their own sense of value. They were there. If I do not go, the comforter cannot come. That Jesus left us so that this thing can come. You want to pay? Let me kill you by myself. (laughs) I hope you're getting my point. But Simon, he was used to being the man. That's the gall of bitterness we are talking about, worldliness, flesh thriving in him still, and there are many things inside him that were not gone; that had not gone away. Sometimes Simon went into witchcraft, maybe because when he was a little boy, his father told him he would never do well. His elder brother was a good businessman; one had become a scribe, one was in politics. Simon. Go to school, nothing. Fail, everything. So the father told you, "You will never do well. So that's what we're talking about, bitterness. So Simon looked at it and said, let me show this, my people, that me too, I will be somebody. He went and joined the cult. He learned the secret arts. Then he came and started conjuring up things. The whole world, the whole city followed him. Then it became important. He had money. You see all these fake pastors in town. That's what they do. Oh, there are plenty. There's one young one with one youngish face. Posters all over town. Evil people. You know him now? A man of iniquity. An occultist. Tell him that's what I said. I let him come at the night in front of me. And before he speaks, I said, Look, you have one chance. If you lie, you will die. I said, yeah. He can't talk now. He won't even come. He knows. And there are senior boys in Lagos. Simon was probably like that. So he collected the palm, and became influential. What am I going to say? What made that smart, the people do things like that? You never can tell. And this is my understanding of it. Peter looked at it and said, "Ha, Simon, this bitterness against your family, you need to build a house, buy a car, just to show them you are not a failure. It led into occultism. Now you have given your life to Christ. It has not left you alone. So you cannot just be one of the brethren. You must be prominent. Do you get what I'm going to explain here? Simon's matter is I can't just be, just be one of the brethren. I have to be in front. So those who are in front, Philip, Peter, and John, how do they do it? They have this Holy Ghost power. Let's get it. How did I get the one in the court? We paid Because first of all, there were two things Peter said to him. First, your money perish with you. That's the, the issue of you want to buy the gift of God with money. Then Peter looked and said, I perceive something. Why were you trying to get the gift? That bitterness has not left you. They talked down at you when you were a little boy. That you are good for nothing. You have not forgiven the people. It's been pushing you up and down. Now you're in Christianity. You want to bring that darkness into it again. And listen to me, many believers are like that. There are many people who are believing, prospective, prosperity prosperity. The only, you see, you see, it is not the accuracy of words we are dealing with. You have to check the spirit. There are people who are laboring one degree after another, after from one business to the other. As far as they are concerned, I have to show them in my village I'm not a failure. This guy is dedicated, disciplined. But you don't know what's pushing him. Bitterness. Bitterness bitterness. That's why don't forget that uh, you, uh, uh, Yoruba proverb I quote for you all the time. That when you see another running in the afternoon, hmm, you first have to check what he's pursuing or what? What is pursuing him? Is said that he's pursuing something or something is pursuing him. And that's the problem in life a lot of times. Do you know the truth? Many times we carry those things into Christianity. I have, look, listen, there are people that they are diligent in studying the scriptures. They will read their Bible money after a night, listen to messages. Do you know why? They have to be able to open their mouth and quote. You say why? That's how they impress people. When they were studying physics, they read physics until they were the best in the class. Time for economics. They studied economics till they knew Matos' theory more than Matos himself. They know all the principles. Why? That is the only place they get credibility that is... How do I say it now? Relevance. That's what, that's that's that, that's where they get it from. I mean, they have now come into church. They know that anytime time you gather, pastor Bang his hands in front. One is in front. One is not there. He's so he is pastor Okemute. So what does it take to enter that front? In most churches, is money. They give. Pastor said we need a new camera. They have bought two. When says pastor's birthday, please. Uh, be- what do we want to buy for him? They want to buy him a Toyota Corolla. Why? Why not a Camry? He pays for the Camry. You know what he's trying to do? He has to move from the back to the first row. And then one day, to reward his faithfulness, pastor tells him, you are preaching next service. And that was where he was going for all this while. All the giving, giving, giving thing is called a go- it was The man is buried in the gall of bitterness. He's in what the Bible calls the bondage of iniquity. But you don't know. The pastor will not know. You see him giving. But he comes to kingdom World ministry? He said, you can't use money to do it. He said, what does it he take here? He said, quote the scripture. He said, why is the pastor came to the one preaching every time? Pastor is not around. He's the one that can quote scripture the most in this place. Oh. <laughs> he said, no, Allah, now. You see the man die for Bible school. And then all of us will be confused. This guy loves the Lord. He's in the gull of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. But we don't know. Anytime he now sees me, he says, Ah, Pastor Banky, good morning, sir. The Bible says... <laughs> 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 you, you won't know what's pushing him. I'm not saying we are perfect, but I know something. People like that they often don't last here. Even my wife sits at the back. So, what to qualify for front seat? This guy is the only one that's always in front. These two people, and I don't. Just because they like the front seat, <laughs> there's no qualification for front seat. After a while, they walk away. There are people who don't know that you can just come to church and be normal. They have to be in front. They give their life to Christ today. By tomorrow, they are a prophet. If everybody says, thus is the Lord, they will cram what people have said. Thus is the Lord. Why? They are in the goal of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. They, feel, they have no substance in them. They don't feel happy. They are not, you know, their father never told them, you are good, God will bless you. All their lives, they were talked down on. You are nothing. You amount to nothing. They have to prove that they are something. And like I said, all of these principles, God will judge every single one of them. You know the truth. All this what I've described. You know the Lord loves them. The Lord loved Simon. Forget all that word Peter was saying. The Lord loved Simon. He didn't want him to die in iniquity. The Lord had compassion on him. But God said, "I will not leave you. I will not leave you. No, I will not leave you." I won't let you die like this. I will cure you of that inferiority complex that's making you loud. Some people, that's why they talk so much. They have to impress you because they feel inferior. God says, I will cure you. Don't worry. Just they come to church. I will cure you. Number one way I cure people is I talk to them. The word will comfort to them. If they don't listen, I disgrace them. I'm about to make a statement which is not very popular in the world of faith circles. I will make you sick. You will be in hospital. You will beg for mercy. But I will not leave you. I will not leave you. That one, I guarantee you, I won't. If I have to kill you, wake you up again, I will. Like one man was telling one man one day, I will beat you so bad. If you faint, I will transfuse your blood. I can see that in God. You won't die on me. I will transfuse you. What do I just want from you? We must separate your light from what? Your darkness. I'm saying many things. I have not sat on the main thing I'm supposed to say. Let me just sit on it briefly. We'll close. If we have to, we'll come back to it. But if I can say enough about it today, we'll leave it there. Anytime we are building in life, that's what, I, that's what I was trying to preach. All of this are just explanations of what I'm trying to say. Anything that we are building in life, we must be careful that we build according to divine precepts. Anything you build not on his precepts, he will judge. Listen to me. If you build a ministry and it's not on the precepts of God, it will collapse before your eyes before you die. Let me say, tell you quickly what I call... <laughs> I first preached this in Kaduna. <laughs> my terminology may not be totally accurate. It's just my way of expressing my thoughts. But the principle is true. in scripture. I call it the principle of blessing on credit. What did I call it? Blessing. blessing on credit. This is why I'm saying this. Because sometimes one we preach like this. People want to judge truth or error from their lives. And they don't know that God blessed them on credit. He said, Pastor Frank, what are you talking about? I'll tell you. God is kind. The Bible says he's mindful that we are but flesh. Many times he's mindful that you are bought a child. And say so there are things I want to tell you, you can't bear them now. But for certain reasons, I need to pass you through a particular phase of life. While well, I will continue moving, and I will correct you later. Let me give you an example. God appointed Saul to be king before Saul was ready. But he said, that's not the problem. We'll fix it later. He called David when David was ready. So maybe David, did, well, I don't know. Maybe he went through that phase, I don't know. But when he came to, when he came to Saul, that's what God did. He said, Saul, so, go ahead, start the walk. Then someone will interact with you, alright, give you some training, and then we will test you. So there were two major tests you will find in the life of Saul. And he filled both of them, and his kingdom was taken from him. The first one, Saul said to him, but well, someone said to him, I'm going to come, we're going to offer the sacrifice. So you're going to wait for me. First Samuel chapter 13. The man, for time's sake, will not read it. The man did not wait. I know what Samuel said to him. He said, you have acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. What am I saying? His kingship was a blessing on credit. It was not established yet. It was being tested. Bear that in mind. i tell you another story. There was a young woman A woman married to a man, a rich man, and they used to take care of Elisha. He said, I perceive that a holy man of God is passing by us every day. So they said, of course, you know the story. Let's build him. Of course, Elisha used to come to their house and eat. And then one day, she said to her husband, let's build a small guest room for the man of God. And they did. And Elisha was very impressed. So he said, what do you want? Do you want this? you want that? Do you want that? You? She said no to everything. That what I did, I didn't do it for... I'm adding my own words now. I did not do what I did for the things I was going to get. I just did them because I perceived that you are a holy man of God. And whoever gives to a prophet because he's a prophet, will get a prophet's reward. I hope you get getting my point. So the man of God said, ah, okay. No problem. Gehazi said, oh, she doesn't have a son. He said, oh, that's my specialty. Call the woman back. This time next year, you will embrace the son. And the woman said, What? Don't lie to me, man of God. Listen. The gift of God, I said, you don't have the opportunity to just be rejecting it anyhow. It has to be by faith. The woman rejected the gift. You know, it still came. Now, what am I going to say? She was blessed on credit was a blessing on credit. God said in effect in the heavens, Elisha, because you have opened your mouth and prophesied to a woman who cannot receive it, don't worry. We shall give her that blessing, but then she will not be able to hold it. So they gave her the boy. Next year, she delivered a son, and she was surprised. But God said, it's good, because now her faith has been built up to a certain level. But because she did not claim this boy by faith, when you gave the word she rejected, she rejected it. Therefore, the blessing will not endure. So when the boy woke up, followed the father out, my head hurts, they brought him back home. By evening, he died. You know why? He was a blessing on credit. So of course, you know the rest of the story. They sent for Elisha. Elisha sent Gehazi, It didn't walk, he came, and he used all the energy in his soul to raise that boy from the dead. He prayed, he walked up and down. If to say that today, the guy spoke the kind of tongues he had never spoken before. He groaned, that one I'm sure, in the spirit. Laid on the boy, Say every bit of anointing I have, receive it. The boy sneezed and woke up, said, lie down there. Now I went and told the woman, this time around. You see, every word in the Bible is carefully selected. He said, this time around, go and take him up for yourself. The day I read that, it hit me. What was he saying? Hey, last time I forced him on you. This time around, my sister, that was her own exercise of faith. See, that whole travel up and down. Run after the man. You know the first thing he said to the prophet when he met the prophet? Did I not tell you not to lie to me? So Elijah said, okay, sorry, she didn't have by force. This boy lie down here. Wait for your mother to do what is necessary to carry you. Otherwise, you are dying back. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. I call it blessing on credit. She finally paid later by her faith. God is very good. Sometimes he blesses people on credit. That's what I'm saying. You know what he told Israel? Blessing on credit. Let me teach more about it. He said, Israel, I made a promise to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. So I'm calling you out of Egypt, not because of you, because we are a stubborn people. not that what he said. We are a rebellious people. I'm not bringing you in because of your righteousness, but I'm taking the people out because of their wickedness. You are the instruments of my judgment because I've won them, I'm taking them out. Number two, I am fulfilling the promise I made to your fathers. So they got the land blessing on what? Credit. Now if you want to be established in the land this is the payment. It's called the laws of the covenant. He said these are the laws you will observe in that land. Coming in is free. But staying there, bros, is not free. You will take this land, these words, you will obey every bit. Otherwise, you see the way I drove them out. Whether your father I promised him, I did not, right now, I have fulfilled what I promised your father, so they can't hold me responsible again. My promise to them is now fulfilled. Now, will you stay there? It's now your own problem. If you want to stay there, you will take these laws, and begin to keep them one by one. And Moses sat down and taught that law twice. He wrote a song. He said, guys, you know why? Because once you break these laws, father or no father, the way we took out the Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the whatever whateverites, in the same way you are going out. The only difference because of your father's is that wherever you go, I'll leave you remnant. Now, let me explain something to you, to people, alright? People of God. Listen to this. All those Amorites, Hittites, Jebusite, you know, Gagashites, all those people, they were wiped out completely. They don't exist today. Even the ones Israel did not catch. Disease killed. There are races of people that don't exist till today. All those giants gone. All the people in that promised land wiped out, clean. Many people don't know the Philistines are not the ones. They are, the, the Philistines are not their descendants. You know, descendants, uh, Philistines. They are not descendants of the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Hittites. No, Philistines came from far. At the same time, they arrived as Israelites were arriving. Those other people, the Bible says, he erases the memory of them they wipe them off. Sometimes it took years, but they are gone. The Israelites, the Israelites did most of the work. Some people scattered. Why am I, I'm trying to contrast it with something here. But the Lord now said, listen, what I will do for you guys is simple. I will scatter you far and keep few of you alive because of your fathers and because of the promise I have in Isaac with your seed be. But as for you as a nation, people, if you want to stay in my land, this is the payment of these laws. 613 of them. That's why I call the blessing on credit. <laughs> and I say, bank, so what has that got to do with me? That's where I'm going. Remember I said I was talking about dead works, Right? Remember, it's not the material thing God is after. It's a precept of God. Many people are here this evening and speaking almost like a prophet. <laughs> you are here tonight. <laughs> when you got married, you were thinking like a fool. For God blessed you with a good wife. Blessed you with good children. You were thinking like a Jebusite. You are thinking like a Hittite. I can only marry from my village. But God said, because I realized the foolishness of your bringing, I left you. I gave you a good wife. But I demand you correct that stupid mindset. Otherwise, I will scatter your marriage. That is not supposed to be a joke. I don't preach to make people happy. I tell them the truth. That the happiness you are experiencing today is a blessing on credit. Because you insult me, you insult the blood of Christ, you refuse to descend the body. But because you were a child, I left you. The people senior to you, I gave them Jezebel. Because you know, I didn't do that to you, do you know why? You were a child. Foolishness was in your heart. Your left ventricle was foolishness. When your heart pumps that, it pumps foolishness to your brain. All your blood foolishness. I understood that you are but a child, but you are of marriageable age, so I left you. But now I demand repentance. So what will I do? It's simple. Just to say, I have sinned. That's all. That is all. Some God said, look, there are people who arrived in Enugu. Thinking prosperity is in places. I left them. They broke laws. Where they were coming from, they de- deceived and disappointed people. They showed up. After struggling for six months, I gave them good jobs. It seemed like I confirmed that their movement was the will of God. But God said, no, it was not my will. I just overlooked your foolishness. But today, I demand repentance. I'm not saying go back to Isaiah, go where you came from. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, just get on your knees and say, I was wrong. Because except I, you do that, I will make you so poor in this city, you won't have a place to put your head. You know, I told you, I know not be a pastor where they rob people back. I, I teach people to fear God. And not theoretical fear. The fear of God is not reverence. I just worship you as I see your beauty of your holiness in the unapproachable light. I began to worship. Nonsense! You don't know the meaning of what he have said. That's the rubbish worship a lot of Christians do. They worship the beauty of holiness on Sunday and sin on Monday. Because at there's a lot of blessing on credit. It's pay time. I want to collect my money. I blessed you on credit. You did a lot of things. Sometimes you even got the job through bribery and corruption, and I still let you get it. I could have frustrated you, but I left it. But I am going to collect my payment. Of course, you know what the payment is. It is called only acknowledge what your iniquity. That's it. You will say, ah, like my friend said, I was saying last time. He said, Pastor Banky, what we did those days, we call ministry. Say, may God forgive us. It may have been laughing, but it was repentance. He said, ah, he said I did not know better. The mistake a lot of people make is that they think that because they were blessed, it means it was okay. No, when the word comes, you must accept correction. Once you have been corrected, then God said, we'll take it from there. That is, once you open your mouth and say, I was wrong. That's what I just want to get from you. Sometimes it's something you did twenty years ago and you wanted to enter university. Because if I don't get it from your mouth that you were wrong, and I mean true repentance. And one of the ways you will show true repentance is I will give you opportunities to counsel other people and you will say to them, Don't do it. Even though you know you did it, you will say, Don't. It's against the will of God. I say, Good, I wipe away your sins. I forgive everything. But if you don't, I will disgrace you. It's a promise, I will. There are pastors I feel sorry for. See that church? Eh? It will scatter. Oh, it will scatter. If at their own is the only repentance it will cause scattering. There are people they promoted. <laughs> God say, wait, 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 wait. That guy is not called to ministry. Change his title. Say so use offering. You see what I'm told? you know you know it to be the truth. Churches promote people, they gauge your offering and they move you forward. God says it's okay. I left you your childishness for a long time. But this is a season of repentance. Let me say this to you, if I can close. Listen. The God I preach is a very, very serious God. What he's going after are the precepts. That's what I was trying to explain. They are the precepts. He has to correct every bit of our lives. He has to. He has to. We cannot build, do you understand? We cannot build our lives on wrong precepts and we'll get away we'll scot-free. Get no. It's not good for us. That's his reason. He does not want us to confound the next generation. He does not want us to die in the, you know, in the bondage of iniquity. We already established it. It happens to Christians. It happens to Christians. God did not reject Saul because he did not carry out his instruction. You say, but why did he reject him? It was because Samuel came with correction. And he rejected correction. I don't have to start explaining that now. But that's how God is. God did not reject Saul because he did not carry out divine instructions. The Lord rejected Saul because he rejected the correction of God that he sent through Samuel. What am I going to say? That's say, you must get it. We can talk like this. I can laugh. We can laugh. We can be serious. But listen, you don't have the privilege of saying I don't agree. Listen, let me tell you you again. Everywhere God has placed me in this city, he has put me on the top floor of the building. Those who come to listen to me, they like to climb. I hope you're getting my point. You are the one that came to look for trouble. I didn't beg you to come here. Now that you have come, you will hear the truth. That's what I'm saying. So, what I've said today, you don't have the privilege of saying I don't agree. You agree. You agree, oh. You agree that many of your blessings are on credit. You agree that you owe God repentance. It's payment. You have to pay. Hey, I need to drop this one just to warn a few people. Don't give an offering for it, though. Money is not accepted, though. Because some pastors will finish. They say this is a good time to use it. When I say pay now, People will clear their accounts because they want their sins forgiven. It's a lie. It's not money we're talking about. The payment that God wants. You know what he said? This will be the full payment for their sins. God said it. When they break down the four false altars, their share poles, and they knock down all the gods. God said that's the full payment for their sins. So, what payment are we talking about? That repentance. God must get it. Samuel came to Saul. Say you have not done what the Lord said. Saul rejected the correction. Do you know what happened? God rejected Saul permanently. In case you did not know, after that day, he and Samuel never saw again. That was how total the rejection was. Immediately after, God called him. Go and anoint for me, David. First time he did what was wrong, first time I went to the God said, Today, someone said, today God will have established your kingdom. We overlooked it. Next time, he brought him another instruction. Go and do this and do that. Avenge me of my adversaries, God said. The Amalekites. Saul did not do what God said he should do. Then Samuel came to him and said, you didn't do what God said. Saul insisted he did. Ha! Samuel said, but, what is all this bleating I'm hearing? And you say, I have the king, Agag with you. No, Saul couldn't repent. God said, listen, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, therefore he has rejected you from being king. What was that word? Take my word for it is a word of correction. It was not the first instruction. After that, Samuel left and he never saw Saul again. That was the last time they saw. They even became enemies when he was going to appoint the anoint David, you know he told God, who saw will come and kill me, they have become enemies. He never saw Saul again, Samuel again. Even after Samuel dead, he went and spoke to Samuel in quotes, but you know that Samuel was a lying spirit that appeared like Samuel. After all, he did not see the person. Can you remember? It was the medium that was seen. He said, what do you see? I see an old man carrying a robe. Do they wear that kind of robe where someone went? Just deception. Never saw someone again. Why am I talking about it? To show you that he was rejected totally. You may have started your business on wrong principles. God said, there's payment for that. What is the payment? Repentance. You will settle down and go and check. Listen, and listen, there are some restitutions that are possible, some that are not possible. If you are amongst the people who did the right the possible ones, go and go and return people's money. Some people went and stole money to start people's business, start business, go and return their money. You know why? If you don't, God will say collect his money. He always does. He always does. Oh, he always does. Let me say it to you again the grace of God does not cover it. The mercy of Jesus doesn't. Except, of course, you do what he says. Is repent. He said, only acknowledge what? Your iniquity. Just say, I was wrong. There are things that, I mean, like I give the example of the person I'm talking about. Young Christian, you don't know too much. You believe in all kinds of rubbish. If a girl is from a broken home, I can never marry her. Very stupid statement. Worthy of judgment. You know that? But God overlooked it. There was one girl you liked that time. When you found out that her father divorced her mother, she grew up with her stepmother. That's how you ended the relationship. God is angry with you till today. You, just, you don't know it. But why he didn't punish you, I'll tell you. He just said, look, this boy is a small boy. He doesn't know do anything. If I punish him according to the magnitude of iniquity, he will die. So I've left him. I've left him. But he said, but today I sent the girl into Pastor Banky. But he has now married. Is he going to remarry that girl? That's what I call impossible restitution. But it was a doctrine in the mind. Do you get my point? Because they just correct it. And one way I thought about it, another way you can actually do such repentance. So just chat, like my friend would chat with me. Just chat with your friends. You know this is how we used to think. Huh? Thank God for his mercy. you. Ah, God, I would never think like that again. God said, fine. He wipes it off. Say so that is settled. That one is settled. Cleanse it, and that's gone. And then you know he tempts people. He tempts you. Oh, he will tempt you. Your cousin, that you are like a mentor to, will not show up and it's to hear counsel from your mouth. And the angel of God has drawn the dagger to hear what he will say. <laughs> say, just open your mouth. Talk the nonsense you talked eight years ago. And anytime it's like that, any time an angel draws sword on your case, police will just come and say, Oh boy, you're about to die, better <laughs> say what is-? That's what happened to Balaam, you know. Police will quickly open his eyes, because one angel was about to kill him. He's about to say, Ah, what? Her father did what? Hey, mother, you're about to talk. Just, ah, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. <laughs> the angels say, good for you. <laughs> you now return and bless your home, bless your family, bless your children. Many children are having problems today because the parents will not repent. I'm telling you the truth. There's a story that just keeps coming to my head. It's a bad story, but let me tell it, maybe to help some people. One day one extremely talented man, Christian guy, who was supposed to be, I think, Extremely talented. This may not even fit, fit into our but just in my head. So, it's dropped like twice. Let me tell the story, then we'll get out of here. Maybe we should correct some people. Extremely talented guy. Extremely talented. The one they were traveling, bam! Had an accident. Knocked his head into two pieces, and he died. And they called one girl. Have you heard... Let's give another, Let's give name Jumbo. Have you heard what happened? Jumbo is dead. What happened? He had an accident. She just hissed. Said, "I knew that would happen. I told him the next girl we rape will be the last one." Extremely talented. That was the end of him. He said the girl just hissed. Say him? I knew he was going to go. He was supposed to be a Christian. I told him. God did not send me to go and make anybody happy. Send sent me to go and warn people. The soul that sinned, it, it, shall die. Even if it's a Christian soul. Let's bow down our heads and give thanks.
1: Let's continue to give thanks and say, Lord, thank you for the word that you've sent to me. That's where we started from this evening. Just to thank God. Sending this word to us that are here physically present because he loves us. And love has brought correction. Love has opened our eyes. Love has introduced lights into our hearts this evening. Give him thanks and say, Lord, thank you. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. It's very important that we do that first. Let thanksgiving arise from our hearts. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I believe why uh Pastor was teaching, I strongly believe that there were points that the Holy Spirit, you know, dropped in your heart. There are areas that the Holy Spirit, you know, just touched in your heart. This is a very good time, let's not postpone it, to begin to address those areas of our lives. Maybe it's a thought pattern. Maybe things that, you know, we did in the past. Like Pastor said, all God wants first is to acknowledge those things and just present it to God in prayer, in formal repentance. And I'd like us to do that this evening. If you are not afraid this evening, then I fear you. If you are not afraid, I fear you. And I think we should listen to this message again and again. But let's present those areas. Let's present those areas. Let's present those areas. The word has come with power. Please present it yourself. (laughs) You know, when it comes to do with repentance, God deals with individuals. Promises are transferred. But the matter of righteousness, no. Abraham transferred the promise to Isaac. But when it comes to a matter of faith, is the just shall live by his own faith. Present your matter to God this evening. I said, Lord, when I was about, when I was about to get married, this was a thought pattern I had. And I used it into marriage. Show me, I, I asked for forgiveness. I asked for forgiveness. When I got that job, this was a thought. When I started ministry, this was a thought pattern. This was a thought pattern. Please, let's present that to God. And I asked for mercy. And I asked for mercy. Ask for mercy. Ask for mercy. Ask for mercy. Maybe it's even a thought pattern in the way we raise our children. Ask for mercy this evening. Let's take our time to do that. Ask the Lord who is rich in mercy. Who is rich in mercy? He's rich in mercy. And I believe he's stretching his hand of mercy to us this evening. To as many that, you know, we reach out to him and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, show me mercy. Lord, show me mercy. Lord, show me mercy. mercy. Lord, show me mercy in this area of my life. Show me mercy in the name of Jesus. Please pray. Please pray. Like Pastor was saying, maybe maybe there are things we need to do. Let's ask for grace. Let's ask for grace. Say, Lord, show, give me grace. There are steps I need to take, practical steps I need to take. For the ones that are doable like we have learned this evening, let's ask for grace to take those steps practically. Let's ask for grace. Please pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. Like we prayed earlier, this is a mirror that the Lord just brought to us this evening. And we've seen ourselves, and we've seen areas that we need to adjust. Lord, we thank you. I'll begin to pray and say, Lord, I receive grace to walk in the instructions that you have sent my way this evening. I receive grace to walk in those instructions that you've sent my way. You've confessed. Lord, I've shown you mercy. Now pray and say, Lord, henceforth, I walk in your precepts. Henceforth, I receive grace to walk in your precepts. No matter how difficult. Maybe you want to start a new business. You want to start something new. Ask that that thing will be established in the precepts of God. Pray. That you'll be established in the precepts of God. Say, Lord, I walk in your precepts. I walk in your precepts. No, no, no longer common sense. No longer wisdom from the world. The ones I picked. No, but Lord, I walk in your precepts. Now finally, let us pray that the Lord would put his fear in our hearts. Yeah, pray that prayer. Say, Lord, put your fear in my heart. For in everything that I do, let your fear, Lord, be, be the primary thing pushing me. Let your fear be the primary thing. Let it be in in my forefront. Let it be in front of me. Let your fear, oh, let your fear be in my heart. Pray. Pray that prayer that the fear of God will be in your heart. The fear of the Lord will be in your heart. Is the spirit of God Part of the seven spirit of God. The fear of God is part of it. Say, let your fear be in my heart. Once the fear of God is in our heart, then we'll be careful to do. Once the fear of God is in our heart, then we'll be careful to speak. Let us pray and say, Lord, let your fear. Let your fear be the primary thing that is leading me. Let your fear be the primary thing, making me take the decisions that I take. Let your fear be in my heart in the name of Jesus. Let our fear your fear. The fear of God. The fear of God. And the fear of God. <laughs> the, the Bible say when, um, Ananias and Sapphira, they were killed by God, then fear came upon the church. Fear. We don't want to get to that point. Let's just pray that the fear of God, the spirit of the fear of God, will rest in our hearts. Will rest in our hearts. It's not something that comes and go. No, it will be permanent in our hearts. Father, we give you praise thank you lord for sending your word to us we give you praise forever we we'll walk in this fear not just now but lord till you complete that work that you're doing in our lives we thank you thank you for your servant that lord you have sent to bring this word to us receive praise forever in the name of jesus we have prayed
0: all right let's our feet so we can go home the lord is good I said the Lord is good. Okay, if you are blessed, you give me an amen. amen. Like they say, it shall be permanent. Amen. That blessing will be permanent in Jesus' name. Amen. Like Jesus will say, your sins are forgiven you. Amen. Your wrong thoughts are wiped away. Amen. You will not die in the gall of bitterness. Amen. The bondage of iniquity is broken. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, if you're coming for the first time, right, listen to this. The Illness, whatever be the trouble that came with you today, you will not go back with it. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Even those who have come here before, that prayer we prayed before is still attached to you. Amen. So sickness is free from you in Jesus' name. Amen. And you are free from sickness in the name of Jesus. Amen. This coming week, God will do something great for somebody. you waited waiting for a job, an opportunity, something. God will give you one this week in Jesus' Amen. name. And you will walk into it without pressure. Somebody say, bribe, so you'll get it. Say, it's a test. I will not. I hope you're getting my point. They may deny you that one. Don't worry. The bigger one is waiting for you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we give you praise. You are worthy of it. Thank you. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Can we share the grace in fellowship? Those who are going for the first time, they give you a magazine. Open to page 11. All right? That's how we share the grace in fellowship. See that page 11. Okay. Are you ready? that's how we share the grace in fellowship when we are done. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. Live above sin and walk above the devil, because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, quickly bless three people around you. Quickly bless them, three people around you. Two more people. This is your season. One more person. This is your season. One for yourself. This is my season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, child up, brethren. God bless you.